Fact or myth? HPV infection is no big deal. It always clears on its own. What do you think? Welcome to the GW Medical Faculty Associates Podcast. I'm Dr. Mike Smith, and today's topic is HPV, facts and myths. My guest is Dr. Beverly Long. Dr. Long is the Assistant Professor of Gynecology and Oncology at George Washington University. Dr. Long, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. So what do you think about my teaser there? Is uh, HPV no big deal and it clears on its own all the time? Is that myth or fact? Myth. (laughs) <laughs> but <laughs> with there's the always a but, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, go um, ahead. Tell HPV, us the caveat. <laughs> HPV shouldn't be thought of as a big deal because almost everyone who's sexually active will get HPV at some point in their life. Um, however, it's not. It doesn't always clear on its own. Um, right, I kind of right. think of HPV as like the common cold. So. There's a lot of different strains, and most people will get it, and you can get it many times over, um, and it usually clears, but it doesn't always. Right, right. So I tried to stump you, Dr. Long, with a tough one to begin with, and you got <laughs> it perfectly right. <laughs> Great. So what, let's do this. Tell us a little bit more uh, about HPV infection. You know, the who, the what, the where, the how, the why. So HPV infection is very common. At least 70 or 80% of people who are sexually active will get it at some point. Um, Most people will clear it on their own in about 6 to 18 months. However, some people have persistent infection. Um, There's a lot of different types of HPV, and some types are more likely to cause cancer than others, and there's other types that cause genital warts. Uh, It can be acquired by both men and women at any age. Yeah, so I saw a statistic on um, the HPV.com website that said something along the lines of 50% of all the infections occur in the age group between 15 and and 24. Do you, do you think a lot of my listeners would find that 15, that seems pretty young? What do you think about that? Fifteen does seem pretty young. I mean, it probably depends on the population that you're screening, but the high risk of HPV in that population is why we don't test for HPV in women who are under 30. Okay. Because it's so So common that... Yeah, yeah. It's so common you're going to find it, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So so here's here's another... fact or myth that kind of plays into that lower age range. My child is a preteen. There's nothing for me to worry about. Myth or fact? Myth. So um, a child being a preteen, even if she never, she or he never has intercourse until later, there's no reason not to protect them now. Um, The vaccination can be given as early as age nine and is currently recommended Um, to be given in the series around age 11 or 12. Um, And then it offers protection for when your child does become sexually active. Right. 
Well, Dr. Long, you and did perfect right been... there. That, that myth or fact that I just stated was supposed to be a lead-in to vaccinations. You did it perfectly. Okay. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit more about vaccinations because I know um, in general uh, there is growing concern in you know the, the general population about vaccines and all that kind of stuff. And so you gave us some information there, but let's step back and talk a little bit more about the vaccine. Maybe you can give us a rundown of what is a vaccine, what is actually in it, and when is it appropriate to give it? So the vaccine is given in an injection, and it's actually made up of the protein capsule that surrounds the HPV DNA virus. So um, for someone who doesn't know kind of what a virus looks like, the DNA is basically the blueprint for how the virus um, spreads in your body and um, makes more copies of itself in your body. And it's protected by a protein capsule um, that your body can recognize as um, an antigen or as a protein that shouldn't be there, that it should protect you, that it should fight against. So the vaccine is made against the protein, um, but it doesn't have any risk of giving you the actual virus because the DNA is not there. Right, right. So, uh, you know, again, maybe is there what would you like to say to parents that are hesitant about the vaccination. I mean, everything you just said, they hear that, but they they still maybe are worried about it. Um, wrong or right, there's there's a lot of let's be honest misinformation about vaccinations. I think out there. What, what do you what could you say to a parent who's worried about this and who may not do the vaccination when it is available and safe? So there are a lot of different reasons. Um, that parents think that the vaccination may not be a good idea. Um, and many of them are reasonable, but they are myths. So um, one thing that parents worry about is that the vaccination might make their child think, well, now it's okay to be more promiscuous and to have more intercourse. But they ha- there have been studies that have shown that there's no change in sexual activity after the vaccine is given. So that is one reason that we can kind of take off the table for not giving the vaccine. The other thing that I think people worry about are side effects of the vaccine. There's a lot of kind of myths about an increased risk of POTS syndrome or Guillain-Barre virus or just other um, usually autoimmune type diseases that people think are associated with the vaccine. Um, But large studies in Europe and Australia and the U.S. have shown that there's no increased risk of um, those problems after the vaccine. Um, It is given in a young age group where those problems might show up, so there may be an association, but it does not seem that the virus causes those. The virus, I mean, the, the vaccine causes those. The vaccine is associated with a small risk of fainting, Um, So that's why patients have to be observed for 15 minutes after being given the vaccine. But that's not a long term risk. Right. Right. And and when do you, again, recommend? I think you touched on this a little bit, but when is the recommendation for giving the vaccine? The um, ACIP recommendations are for age 11 to 12, but the vaccines um, approved for anyone age nine to 45. Nine to forty-five. So uh, it is rare, but some girls will go on, and women will go on to develop what's called cervical dysplasia. Can you tell us about that? Yes. So cervical dysplasia is caused by the HPV virus. The virus gets into the cells in the cervix and causes 
precancerous changes. Um, those are graded as changes from one, two, and three. Um, so CIN one or um, the dysplasia that's level one is actually a very mild form of dysplasia that probably won't ever lead to cancer. Um, it's usually just a really indolent variety that will clear on its own. But CIN2 and 3 are more severe changes, and those can lead to cancer, so they do need to be treated. And how, how is that treated? Um, so when someone has an abnormal pap smear, um, the next step is to do what we call colposcopy, and that's to determine if there is any dysplasia or precancer. And that's done by placing acetic acid or like a vinegar solution on the cervix and looking with a um, magnifying camera uh, to identify any changes. And any abnormal tissue is biopsied, and then we get the dysplasia result. Um, if you have CIN1 at that time, then you just keep monitoring it to make sure that it doesn't progress. Um, but with CIN2 and 3, it's usually treated with an excisional procedure. So that's either a LEAP, which is a small um, excision that's done with a hot wire, so it can be done in the office, or a conization, which is done in the operating room and can be a little more tailored to um, the type of dysplasia that you're treating. And with those kind of treatments, if if there is that level two, level three, what is the, the general outcome with that once they are treated? Most patients will clear even level two and three dysplasia if they are treated. Um, and then it just requires monitoring with um, pap smears in one and two years to make sure that it has cleared. Okay. So, Dr. Long, I have a, another factor myth for you. Ready? Here we yes. go. Boys can't get HPV. Myth. That was an easy one. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping so. That was like a softball, right? Threw it right up there for you. Tell us, yeah. uh, tell us about the 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 risk with boys, and and what what do we do with them? So, unfortunately, there's no clinical test that's used currently to test boys for HPV, but that doesn't mean that they cannot acquire it. So, HPV in boys also causes genital warts, just like in women. Um, and it can also, just like it causes cervical, vulvar, and vaginal dysplasia and cancer in women, it can cause penile cancer in men. Um, and just as importantly, it can cause throat and oral pharyngeal cancer in men, um, so cancer of the mouth and throat. And that, that cancer is actually surpassing cervical cancer as um, right. a problem in the U.S. because there's not a way to screen for it the same way. Yeah, I saw some interesting reports on that, that those kind of cancers are increasing and it's quite alarming. So, I, you know, what a great conversation. You know, HPV, there is a vaccine. You know, we, we, we do recommend that it is safe. And I appreciate you helping my audience understand that it is safe and effective. Let's end this way, Dr. Long. What, what would you like people to know about HPV infection? I would like people to know that HPV is very common. It's not something to be embarrassed or ashamed about. It's only something that you need to watch. If HPV infections are monitored closely, it's very rare for them to turn into cancer um, as long as you're getting the recommended screening and following up with your doctor. However, 
HPV should cease to be a problem once everyone is vaccinated. Right. That's kind of the big one, right? That's the big the yeah. big message, I guess, vaccination. Right, because Dr. even Long- though it can be treated, it can be it's a lot of work to treat it. So if you right, want to avoid right. those kind of visits, just get the vaccine. Makes sense to me. <laughs> Makes sense to me. Dr. Laurie, I want to thank you for the work that you are doing and also thank you for coming on the show today. You're listening to GW Medical Faculty Associates Podcast. For more information, you can go to gwdocs.com. That's gwdocs.com. I'm Dr. Mike Smith. Thanks for listening.